others of you as you're finding John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. If you could just repeat after me, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears so I can hear. Touch my heart that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said Amen. Amen. Listen, John chapter 4, I mean John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, a passage that many of us have heard all of our lives if we've been Christians. Uh, and we're going to read from verse 16 to 21. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, if you could just simply follow along with me. When you got it, say, I got it. Amen. Let's get it. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. I want to read it to you on today. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. Catch that. He didn't send Jesus Christ to judge us. But he sent him so that we may be saved through him, not from him, uh, but through him. Uh, verse 18, it goes and says, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into this world. And men love the darkness rather than the light, for they, the deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that its deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been worth worthy in God. Listen, I want to start a new series today entitled Get Serious. Everybody say, Get Serious. Get serious. Amen. You may be seated. Listen, today's title is simply going to be Get Serious About Salvation. Get Serious About Salvation. In 2017, the church in my eyes, from my perspective, on social media, from people's behavior, it looked like a big joke. It looked like a big joke. People uh, were laughing. Uh, people made uh, uh, videos and comments about who God is and what God doesn't. I did not see the church of the old stand like it used to stand. I did not see people representing God, sharing God's word. I seen everybody making everything a joke. This year, as God has laid it upon my heart, us to focus on getting serious, I believe probably almost every message I have throughout the year will be dealing with some serious point because I believe that seriousness leads to success. Seriousness leads to success. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of failing in different areas of my life. And as a result of it, it's time for me to be serious about it so that I can become successful in it. Amen? And so that's where we are. We want to serious so that we can move forward and end up in a place of success. So today, as we kick off a new year, I couldn't help but to think the best way to start this series, Get Serious, was for us to first, before we move any further in 2018, expecting anything to change, I want to make sure that we know that before things around us change, first, 
we have to change. And I believe in order for us to change, the first thing that we have to do is we have to get serious about our salvation. We have to get serious about what it means to be a child of God. Forget the lights, forget the comfortable seats, forget who's wearing what. I want to talk about your soul today. I want to talk about how serious are you in your daily walk with Christ? Because guess what? If you're not serious about your salvation, then how can you even how can you dare expect for your salvation to lead you to success? Maybe you're failing in areas of your life because you're not putting in the practices that God has assigned to a true Christian. You're not putting in the daily acts, the behavior of what you're supposed to be doing because you are not serious about who you are through Christ Jesus. We are saved, the text says, what? Through Christ. The only reason that we have an opportunity to have a new year, to have a new life, is because of Jesus Christ. The, the text tells us that God loves us so much that he wanted to give us another chance. He wanted to give us another chance to get it right. And all we had to do was believe in his son, Jesus Christ. The belief in his son, Jesus Christ, coincides with us living a life that represents Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, is to be what? Christ-like. We have to get to that in our lives where we're willing to surrender and submit follow God's will and God's plan. We have to be serious about salvation. So I ask myself, why weren't we serious? Why haven't some of us been serious about our relationship with God, this aspect of salvation in our day-to-day lives before? And I come to realize that some of us are not serious about it because we don't really understand it. We don't believe it. As big we don't think fat meat is greasy. Some of us don't understand what it means to truly be saved. And so my challenge today is to help you understand what does it mean to be saved, being saved from, and what is the benefit of operating in a life filled with salvation. What does it mean? And I couldn't help but to think of a good illustration of me and my wife. We love to take cruises. And one year, we took a cruise to Mexico somewhere. We took a cruise to Mexico, Western Caribbean, Eastern Caribbean. I don't know what it was. But we went and my wife, she, she feels like she's this great swimmer. I love her. She can do her thing. I call her my personal little water baby. And, and she decides that she wants to go swimming in, 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 in the ocean. The problem is that this particular part of the ocean, in order for us to get in it, they made us wear a life jacket. They don't care how strong you are. They don't care how well you swim. They want you to wear a life jacket. And she does this thing that I just learned how to do called Floating. Yes, pastor couldn't float for many years. And she, she gets in the water and she floats. The thing is that she floats, and, and I'm scared. I can't go out into the deep. I'm staying. If my feet is not touching the ground, I'm not moving any further. And she's just floating, floating, floating along. And before you know it, I see her out in the distance. And I'm like, hey, I need you to come back. I know she can't hear me from where is she's doing what she feels is fun for her, which is this floating. And But there's something that happens. After a while, she realizes she's a little further out than what she probably wants to be. And she begins to, to try to turn around. Now, that's my, my baby out there, my prize possession. She's worth more to me than gold. And so I had to keep my eye on her. And so I see her out there, uh, what I consider struggling, trying to get back in to where she had just came from. She, she's out there in the deep. Uh, she's floating. She's not drowning, but I see she's trying to get somewhere. But the problem is that the current has changed. 
And now instead of bringing her in, it's steady tugging her out. And so I'm looking at her trying to struggle. And, and before I know it, I, you know it, I see her stop trying to come in. Well, that's a sign for me. I'm sorry, baby. I'm not Superman. I can't fly over and get you. Uh, but I got some good vocal cords. And I began to, to scream out to the people who were there, listen, I need your help. I need your help. And so one of them got a boat, and they, they took the boat out to her, and, and, and they rescued my baby out there. She wasn't drowning, but she was struggling a little bit. She was struggling a little bit, and they, and they rescued her. She grabbed of the boat, and, and the boat just brought her back to what I consider safety. The boat brought her back to what I consider safety. When she got there, she took off the vest, and she was just laughing like it was no big thing. But to me, I was scared that she was about to die. I, I, I didn't think she realized that I just saved your life. You would have been stuck out there had I not sent these people to come out there and help you. Did you not understand that you could have died? A shark could have ate you? Anything could have happened out there? And, and, I, and she was just laughing. Oh, it was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. For that moment, I don't think she understand what salvation was. I could have stayed where I was, not paid her any attention, and let the water keep taking her further and further out. Hopefully somebody else would have seen her. But what would have happened if nobody saw them, saw her, and sent help? I want you to understand something. God sees us drowning. And our Heavenly Father sees us drowning. He sees us struggling. And as a result of him seeing us struggling, he says, you know what? You can't do it by yourself, so I want to send you help. Now, how foolish would it have been for my wife to, for if I sent her help, but when the help got there, for her to look up and say, no, I got it. I'll figure it out. I'll work this out on my own. And the boat just comes back and tells me, listen, they didn't, she didn't want me. But yes, she's not making any progress. She's not coming any further in. She's still out there struggling. She's still in the same situation. But she doesn't want to accept the help. She has to stay there. Believe it or not, many of us are in the same place as believers, we don't want to really accept the help. And the help is a life that is outlined by Jesus Christ. Not a, not a life that just knows Christ, but a life that is outlined by Christ, which means that he sets the borders. He sets the perimeters. We don't go further than his boundaries because this is where he asked us to be. Many of our mistakes happen in our lives because of the fact we step outside of the boundaries. And guess what happens? Every time we step outside of the boundaries, something goes wrong. What takes place? We run right back in. We find ourselves to run back in. Why? Because we know inside of the boundaries is what? Safety. Inside of the boundaries is the help that we need. So how much of a fool are we to keep stepping outside of the, the boundaries? Today, I want to talk about getting serious about your salvation because I think for, in order for you make your life a joke anymore in order for you not to make the church and what the sacrifice that Christ has made a joke anymore, you have to understand a few things about your life. There's three things that I want to make sure that we understand today and, and it's going to help us to get to a point of being serious about salvation. Not saying salvation is boring, not saying there's a bunch of rules and regulations, but I want to be serious about what I'm a part of. I want to be serious about where I stand. The three things are, number one, we have to get to a point of recognition 
Recognition is the first step that we have to get to within our relationship. The second thing that we're going to talk about is cooperation. I need you to understand something. Salvation requires cooperation. And then the third principle we're going to deal with today is a level of appreciation. We're going to get to a point of understanding how when we've been saved, we need to know how to say thank you. We need to know how to say thank you. The first thing that the text teaches us is that God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible defines us as righteous and wicked. We have to understand the righteous are the ones who accept Christ. The wicked are the ones who rebel against Christ. When you get a chance, write it down. Go back and read Psalms chapter 1, the first, the first book of Psalms. When you read the first book, Psalms, it's in that text that the, the author tells you about the benefit of being righteous versus the wrath of being wicked. I don't know about you, but I would rather be on God's good side than bad side any day. And for us, for us to be on his good side, we have to first accept Christ Jesus. Now catch this, the text told us that, listen, Christ did not come to justice. Why? Because the judgment has already been passed. That's what the Bible said. The judgment has already been passed. This is the biggest error that we have in our relationship with God is that the reason that many of us don't take salvation serious, we're not serious about our salvation, is because we don't believe that the judgment has already been passed. What is the judgment? Death. Death is a judgment, death because of sin, death to a point of separation from Jesus Christ, and eternal condemnation because of the fact that we are not in right relationship with God. That's nothing worse than being blamed for something that you didn't do. I, I love my little sister growing up, and she used to be this, this little innocent angel, and I see it now how it manifested because I have my son Isaiah and I said, they're the exact same age difference. But there are some things that my little sister used to do that used to get me in trouble because I would try to, try to keep her out of trouble. Isaiah does it in our house now. Uh, Madison would do something wrong, and next thing you know, Isaiah would raise his voice at Madison, and Madison would run to her dad crying. She would run to me crying, saying, Dad, Isaiah being mean to me, and I would run to Madison's defense and say, Isaiah, you better leave my baby alone. You better leave Madison alone. And Isaiah would look at me and be like, Daddy, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. Why am I getting in trouble? Why am I in this situation? She's the one that did it to me, and because she did it to me, I did this. I want to show you something. That's the same way that sin, that's how we inherit a sinful nature. We didn't do nothing. Adam and Eve did it. Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden. From Adam and Eve disobeying in the garden, and Abel had their issues. We know that sin is an inherited trait. There's nothing we can do about it. It's in your DNA. And therefore, when God cast a judgment on Adam and Eve because of their sinful nature, the same judgment that rested upon them, guess what? Rules on you. The same judgment. I know that you're younger than Adam and Eve. You were born after Adam and Eve. You came in trying to do right. You didn't ask for wrong, but somehow wrong followed you because it's naturally embedded in your spiritual DNA. But what happens is God says, you know what, I love you so much. I don't want to see you die and be doomed to failure. I want to give you an out. I want to give you an option. I want to give you an antidote for sin. That's, that antidote comes through Christ Jesus, an element of salvation to rule and reign over your life. And all you have to do is believe in him. You have to get to a point in your life where you're so serious that you be believe in it. The reason I ain't lost weight because I don't believe that oxtails is bad for me. 
I happen to love my, my oxtails. I don't believe that I need to eat one serving of a plate instead of two. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I may get serious now, but the past, it, it hadn't been an issue for me because I believe that as long as I, I can get bigger, I see some big guys that can dress. I mean, I, I just needed to find the right clothes to fit me properly. It wasn't an issue. I didn't believe that it was an issue. But have you ever seen someone who, was, who, who their weight was an issue for them? And as a result of their weight being an issue for them, things had to change in their lives. Their diet had to change. They couldn't eat the same thing that they used to eat. They had to, to work out because they knew that it was an issue. It got real to them. And as a result of it getting real to them, guess what they did? They got serious about it. When we realize that sin has to have in, having rule and reign and running amok over our lives, this is what's causing us to be in the situation that we are oftentimes. This is what's causing us to stress. This is what's causing us to struggle. Then maybe we can get to a point where we can become more serious about it. So how do we become serious about salvation? The first point I already told you is recognition. We have to get to a point of recognition, recognizing. What are we trying to recognize? Recognition is the act, is the act of observation. I need you to understand that recognition is the act of observation. The first step of moving forward in salvation is observing your own life. I need you to be real with yourself and observe your own life. Life. I need you to, to look at it and say, you know what, there's something in my life that is a problem. There's two things that you should be observing. And when we think about it, we should be observing where you are, and you also should be observing what are you doing. I need you to begin to look at your life and say, where am I, and what am I doing? Where am I is where I stand, where I am located. What am I doing how am I handling things? When I think about the story I shared with you earlier about my wife, my wife was no longer in a place where she could stand with her feet on the ground. She was out in the deep of the ocean. She was out in a place where the current was taking her further and further out. That's what was happening to her in the middle of the ocean. She was standing in a place of danger. She was standing in a place of danger where things could go wrong in her life. She had to take a moment to observe where she was. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where God promised me what God has prophesied over my life. I'm not where I believe I should be. This marriage that I've, I've been a part of that's been going wrong is not where God wants me to be. This job that I've been stressing about, I'm trying to get to a point where I can be used more by God just because of the fact, and God has told me to leave, but guess what? I won't leave. This is not where I want to be. Many of us are failing to understand when God is trying to move us from a place of danger to a place of safety. We have to take a moment and observe where are we. And then when you begin to recognize where you are, then you begin to see how you're handling things. What are you doing? My wife was in the deep trying to get in, but the current was taking her out. And guess what? Her actions were not just, she was not swimming at that time. She was struggling. She was struggling to try to get from where she was to where she wants to be. If you're in a place in your life that you know that look like where God wants you to be, that you know that this is not a God-friendly place. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 1, uh, the righteous don't deal with the wicked. They don't hang out in wicked places. And so if you're seeing that you're in a place, in a relationship, doing something that is not of God, 
and you're struggling to try to figure it out, that should be the first sign that I need help. That should be the first sign that I need somebody to deliver me. Somebody greater than Big Mama, somebody better than my, my wife, somebody better than my husband. I need somebody to deliver me from this situation, from this place that I'm in, because I am struggling. You know what happens when you, when you try to fight against the water and you're drowning? You think you're pulling yourself up, but you're pushing yourself further down. The same thing happens with quicksand. I didn't understand the concept, but quicksand, they say if you ever get caught in quicksand, the first thing that you're supposed to do is stop. Stand still. Look at that. A five, a six, what does a seven-year-old know better than I do? I said, seven. You got to stand still because the, the resistance causes you to push yourself further. Can I tell you something? Sin is just like that. Sin is a spiritual quicksand. Instead of us standing still and doing what the text says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Instead of us standing still and waiting on God, we're steady fighting it, trying to figure it out, trying to get to a point, God, deliver me. God, I've been wanting a man, but the only way I can get it is to, to do what I'm currently doing. That ain't in your will, but I think it'll work out because it worked out for Shamika. It worked out for Shamika. It got to work out for me. God, I know you said tied, but right now I'm still taking out payday loans. I can't tie to you right now because my money ain't right. Uh, but let my money get right, and then I'll start tithing to you. How do you expect to trust you with it later if he can't trust you with it now? The Bible says. Be faithful over a few things over many. That's what the Word of God says. If you're faithful over a few, he'll make you a ruler over many. But you got to get to the point of being faithful. We have to get to a point, if we really want to change something in our lives, we have to get to a point where we realize where we are. Being outside of the will of God is not a safe place. Being lukewarm is not a safe place. Why? Because the Bible says he'll rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, what? He'll spew you out of his mouth. He'll spit you out because you, you don't even know who you are or where you want to be. You want to know why you're not being productive because you hadn't, had, you hadn't made up your mind that I'm sold out for Jesus. And the reason why many of us haven't made up our mind because we don't realize that where we're standing is quicksand. We don't realize when we're struggling, we're, we're pushing ourselves to do them. We're steady thinking that I can figure this out. I can make something happen. It's one of the biggest mistakes I made in, in, in the last three or four years when, when we were uh, in the Oak Cliff area and we were getting on our feet and before God told us to move, every day my wife would try to convince me that, baby, you might just want to downsize. You might just want to get to a place where we can do something different. And I would be like, no, no, I'm going to figure it out. I got it. It's going to work out. And for years, we struggled to pay the bills. Years, we struggled to make things happen. Why? Because I didn't think where I was was a dangerous place. I didn't recognize it as a place of danger, as a place of destruction. Guess what? Why? She was saying it's time to abandon ship. I was like, no, I'm going to stay right here. That's how many of us are in our spiritual lives. We don't realize that we're in a dangerous place. We don't realize that we're in a place of destruction. We hadn't recognized it yet. And because of that, we'll stay there. And then guess what happens? 
God is not going to force you to move. He's not going to force you to change. This is why he says, for whomsoever believe, he gives you an option to choose. And that's what I had. I had an option to choose. Do I want to downsize now or downsize later? And there's going to always come a point where if the right thing to do was to drop down and downsize, that you're going to guess what have to do? Downsize. The question is, do you want to be in control of it or do you want it to be in control of you? And in order for you to understand that, you first have to recognize. Second point we get to, not only do we have to recognize, but salvation requires you not to only be serious about recognizing, but it requires you to be serious about cooperating. This is something we have to get better about as Christians. We have to be serious about the cooperation aspect of our relationship with God. What does it mean to cooperate with God? Cooperate is simply in an act of submission, which means I'm going to do it your way. There is no compromising and saying, God, uh, well, I'll do it your way today and you do it my way tomorrow. God, I'll tie it on the first, but I'm not going to tie it on the 15th. God, I'm going to fast on your word for the first 15 days, but the last 15 days I'm going to do me. God, I give you Sunday, but Saturday is mine. There is no compromising when we deal with the aspect of cooperating with God. Our responsibility about us being serious about our relationship with God, what we have to get to a point of understanding that if you're going to cooperate with God, the true aspect for any believer to cooperate with God is to submit. If you're not willing to submit, then we can't work together. That's how it is in the relationship with God. If you're not willing to allow him to be the head and you be the tail, you can't work together. When my wife was out there struggling in the midst of the ocean, she realized where she was. She couldn't get in, and I was able to send help her way with that boat. She had to submit to the orders of the captain of that boat. Me, I would have been trying to climb in the boat. If you leave me out here, I'm, I'm getting in the boat. But the fact of the matter is that my weight wouldn't allow me to pull myself into the boat from the outside of the boat. And so I would have been sitting there struggling more and more, rocking the boat, trying to get in the boat. The captain gave my wife, and I asked her, I said, what did he tell you to do? He simply told her, grab the rope. He didn't tell her, give me your hand so I can put you in the boat. He says, grab the rope. And when, he gra when she grabbed the rope, she says, the boat begins to tow her in. Now, I want you to catch something. I want you to catch something. The command was for her to grab the rope. And when I asked her, well, I see you turn, I she was like, yeah, because why, the way he was tugging me, it, it just didn't feel good. The water was coming in my, in my face. And so guess what? She had to turn around and let it tug her backwards. You see that? She didn't tell the captain to slow down. She didn't tell the captain to change the direction. She says, I'm not going to stop doing what the captain told me to do, which is grab the rope. I'm just going to change how I'm holding on to the rope. Many of us are trying to get God to change for us. He's given us a plan. He's given us the right. He knows what's going to work and what's not going to work. But instead of us trying to say, well, how can I change my life to fit what he's asking me to do? We want God to change what he's asking us to do to fit our life. That's, that shows you you're not serious about salvation. If you're in the point where you have no control, you're about things are not going right for you. How are you going to tell somebody else? How to fix your problems. Kills me 
Every time somebody's struggling financially, they want to go to somebody with a financial understanding who can help you get to where you need to be. But when they offer you the opportunity to get how you need to be, where you need to be, you want to say, oh, that doesn't fit me. Yeah, it doesn't fit you because what you're doing has been failure. And the thing is, you want success mixed with your foolishness, and it's not going to work like that. You have to get to a point where you understand that my failures show me that my way has been wrong. And as a result of it, I have to try something different. Listen, one of the biggest things for me was to understand God asked us to move here when God pushed us to move here. That downsize was what we had to do. It was what we had to do. And I understand that now, and I respect it. I love it more than anything now because I know that, that God has pushed us to a whole nother level. We're, we're a little bit more serious about it than we've ever been before. We understand what it meant to have and have not. And so we can appreciate it a little bit more. But the thing is, what type of fool would I be if I would have kept telling God, no, I'm not doing that. You're going to figure something else out. You know what happens in that situation? Our blessings, our breakthroughs pass us by. We spend so much time fighting against God, fighting against God. And God is not going to fight you because he, he loves you. He loves you. But we spend so much time fighting against him until we get to a point where we have to submit and say, you know what? You were right. I remember this for my young folks. I remember when I was young, I used to think my mom and dad hated on me so much. They couldn't do what I wanted to, what I could do. They couldn't have fun like I had. They had to work. They were bored. They were fat. Didn't know I was going to get fat. And as a result of it, I fought against what they asked me to do day in and day out. And then it gets to a point where I get, where God blesses me to see 35, 36. And then I sit back and I remember, and I've now gotten to the point where I call my mom and dad and I tell them, you know what, thank you. I don't know why I didn't understand it then, but I do understand it now. This is what you were trying to show me. I, I thank you for that. Why do we have to wait so long to realize that God is not trying to hurt us? He's only trying to help us. And the reason we always are fighting against God because we don't want to cooperate with God. He says, for he loves you so much that he gave, took the first step. He gave so that you can have everlasting life. All I need you to do is believe. I just need you to believe. I need you to cooperate with me. So the Bible teaches us that if we're going to be serious this year about our salvation, if we're going to get serious, we have to recognize that being outside of the will of God is not better than being inside of the will of God. That's the first thing that we have to understand. And everything that you think about in your finances, in your marriage, on your job, whatever it is that you're going through, you want to recognize that I need to be inside of God's will and not, side of, not outside of God's will. And you need to recognize when you're outside of God's will. Don't fool yourself and try to make it seem like, oh, well, that's Old Testament. That don't apply now. Uh, God, God's grace is sufficient. Don't fool yourself and think that you can make an excuse for your behavior of being outside of the will of God. We can't do that. We can't make excuses for our behavior of being outside of the will of God. We have to recognize when we're outside and do our best to get right back inside. The will of God. Second thing that we have to do is we have to begin to cooperate with God instead of making conflict with God. 
We have to cooperate, and our cooperation simply means that we will submit to what God is asking us to do. We will submit to what God is asking us to do. I will do it your way, Lord. You want me to do this in my marriage? I'm going to do it your way, Lord. You want me to do this in my relationship? I'm going to do it your way. My finances, whatever it is, God, I'm going to do it your way. This is what we have to get to a point of understanding in our lives. God's way is the only way. I'm going to put it, hey, my dad's not here. He's not feeling good today. Uh, but he puts it like this. He always told me growing up, son, you have one option. It's my way or the highway. That was it. You're either going to do it my way or you're going to hit the highway. I don't, I don't know about you, but a 13-year-old without a car, I don't do well on the highway. So I always end up understanding I had to fall in line with his way. I had to get to a point of submitting to his way. If we're truly going to cooperate with God, we have to be willing to submit to his way. Change our life to fit his way. The last principle I want to leave you with before we get out of here today is not only do we have to have an aspect of recognition, not only do we have to have an aspect of cooperation in our lives, but if we're going to be serious, if we're going to be really serious about our salvation in 2018, then we have to develop an aspect of appreciation in our relationship with God. An aspect of appreciation. When we as believers think about how do we show God our appreciation, I want to make sure that you understand something. Showing God, coming to church on Sunday morning is not showing God your appreciation. We come to church because the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the righteous for the sake of encouragement. So when you come to church, it's for the sake of encouragement. I preach so that people can be encouraged. Cam sings so that people can be encouraged. We hug each other, love each other so that people can be encouraged. We don't know what type of week somebody had last week. We don't know what type of week they're going to have next week. And so we come together once a week at least to encourage one another. So you're not doing God a favor coming to church. We're doing each other a favor coming to church on Sunday morning. Can I tell you something? You giving, I want to help you understand something. We're going to talk about this later. You giving is not doing God a favor. The Bible has told you, test me through your tithes and offering and watch when I open up a window of blessings and pour them out on you. Again, the giving is to benefit you, not to benefit God. So you think that you're punishing God, but really you're punishing yourself. You think that you're limiting God, but you're really limiting yourself. Because your giving is not for him, it's for you. What we give to God is our worship. And our worship is a lifestyle. And so when we sit here and we talk about that we want to show God our appreciation, it's not about clapping your hands. It's not about stumping your feet. It's not about running around dancing, speaking in tongues. That's not what it's about. When you really want to show God your appreciation, you worship him in spirit and in truth. When you really want to show God your appreciation, uh, appreciation becomes an act of devotion, which means I am devoted to you. Whatever you ask me to do, I am there for you. My wife, I worship my wife, not more than I worship God, but she is my earthly goddess. I love my wife. She's the best gift that God has ever given me. And as a, as a result of that, I have a responsibility to devote myself to who? Her. 
I don't bring anything from the outside into my relationship. My relationship is, is me and her. When somebody needs my help, comes first, her. I, I love my mom because my mom raised me. She says, baby, when you get older, you don't put me before your wife. I think she forgot that at some point in her old age, but, but I was happy to remind her, you taught me this. My wife comes first. The Bible tells us when a man leaves, when a man gets married, he leaves his father. He leaves his family. And he what? He cleaves to his wife. That's the level of devotion. Can I challenge you to, to devote yourself to God? And, I, and, I, and I, some people might not understand this, but can you devote yourself to God like you expect someone to be devoted to you? Can you think about that? Can you think about, are you devoted to God how you expect the most important person in your life to be devoted to you? If your husband is the most important and most important person in your life, can you devote yourself to God the way you expect your husband to devote himself to you? Because if you can't, then you're not really in this relationship with him. I posted, I posted earlier this week, I posted, matter of fact, yesterday, if you're in a one-sided relationship right now, now's the time to get out. This is the beginning of a new year. Don't waste a whole other year complaining about it. If you're in a one-sided relationship, get out of it. Get out of it so that you can, you can grow, you can blossom, you can become everything that God has asked you to be. Stop trying to force it somewhere that you're not supposed to be. If we're going to be serious about our relationship with God, if we're going to be serious about our salvation, we have to start appreciating what God has saved us from. We can't sit here and compare the church to the world. Oh, I used to have so much more fun at the club. Oh, before I got saved, I wasn't alone all the time. Can you be thankful that you have been redeemed from eternal death? Can I get you to understand that? Can you be grateful that you have the greatest gift of all through Christ Jesus? Can you get to a point where you realize how much God has really done for you? I don't know about you, but this year when I thought about everything that God has seen me through in 2017, everything that could have took me out, everything that could have been the end, finished, I couldn't do nothing but tell God, thank you. I didn't have to be here. He didn't have to give me another chance. But even when I didn't see my shortcomings coming, he saw them and he prepared for them. That's why I decided that no matter what happens in 2018, I'm not leaving the park. I'm staying right in the safety zone, in the will of God. Because in his will is where I find everything that I need. I find everything that he's ever promised me inside of his will. I don't want to fend for myself no more. I want to experience what it means to give me each day my daily bread. I want to sit and wait on you, just like Elijah did. I want to sit and wait on you to see, to see you provide everything for me because I know if you give it to me, then can't nobody take it away. 
I know if it's what you have for me and not what I want for me. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I know that my marriage needs to look like what you want it to look like. It don't have to look like everybody else. My job might not be the best job in the world, but if it's the job that you have for me, then I'm going to be happy with it. My church, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm going to be happy with it because I'm sold out and I'm devoted to you. This year, I've decided that if, if I had never been serious before, this year I'm going to be serious about my salvation. I'm going to constantly remind myself that the reason why I am where I am, because I did not enjoy where I was. There was no hope for me where I was. And it's because of that that I said yes to Christ. I'm going to constantly remind myself that in this relationship with God, I have to cooperate with him. I have to submit to his will. Not to my own will, not to my own way. But if this is going to work out between me and him, the only compromise is me giving up me and accepting him. And I'm going to be thankful from the beginning of this year to the end of this year for everything that God has done in my life. Even when things go wrong, I'm going to be thankful. Why? Because all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. I am going to be thankful because I know when I'm not thankful, it, it puts a, a rift between me and God. Before you know it, if I, if I walk around with a spirit of not being thankful, before you know it, I start stepping out of his will. Because I don't appreciate him as much as I used to. So My challenge to our church, my challenge to the people who are here today is this year, if you have never been serious before, be serious now. Because I promise you that seriousness as it relates to salvation will lead to success. God has showed us over and over that we will prosper. His plans is for us to prosper, not to perish. But in order for us to prosper and not to perish, we have to submit to his plan. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here today. God, we thank you for this opportunity.